Oh, Joel, what's with all the books? Hey, Travis, Monica is doing some homework. On a Saturday morning? Sure, lots of kids do homework on Saturday mornings. They're missing the kids' corner. Or they could be listening while they do homework. Well, if Monica's going to be opening our show with homework, it had better be interesting. Let's listen in and see. In the Bay of New York City, where Liberty stands her guard, there is also an island with old buildings, docks, and yards. Welcome to America, ladies and gentlemen. Over there, you'll see Manhattan, and Lady Liberty is there to your left. We will be disembarking at the small island up ahead. Be sure to have all your luggage ready. Ellis Island was its name, and through its iron gates, thousands came from across the seas to live in the United States. They came from places like Italy, Poland, France, and Spain, China, Egypt, Norway, Ireland, and Ukraine. Hmm. First mate, we might need a translator for some of our passengers. I don't think they all understand what's going on. They honestly look a little frightened, and I don't want them to panic. It was a scary journey, and they missed what they left behind. But they had hope for a better future and a home of a new kind. All right. Your papers seem to be in order. I see the doctors have checked you and your family for any diseases, and they have all been cleared. Very well. Welcome to America, Mr. Finden. They brought with them their customs, their stories, and their songs. They came to make a new life, and this made our nation strong. And now we all live together, and we share our heritage, all because of a little island not far from Brooklyn Bridge. So did they bring their animals? I mean, besides the fish and whales? I didn't see them in my books. Then I'm listening to Paws and Tales. Oh, wow. What? What's the matter? Is it something exciting? Not really, Peter. Just kind of sad. It says here in my book that Ellis Island sometimes had to turn people away from coming into America because they were too sick. So what happened to them? Did they get sent back? I don't know. I'm still reading. What's that you're reading, Monica? It sounds really dark. Oh, hey, Sam. I'm doing a report on Ellis Island for school. Have you heard about it? I think so. That's where a lot of people came to America, isn't it? Yeah. Back when people mostly used boats to travel across the world, if they wanted to move from somewhere else to America, they had to go through what my textbook calls immigration. And in those days, that mostly happened at Ellis Island. I may have just found some copies of my family papers from when they came through and what it looks like. Ha, huh, there's my great-grandfather as a kid. Wait, kids had to go through Ellis Island too? Well, yeah, Peter. What, did you think their parents just left them behind or something? That's not what I meant. I, I just thought maybe since they were kids, they could just get into America because their parents were getting in. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Sometimes families were split up because some of them passed the medical exam and others didn't and had to go back. That's really sad, Mr. Jacobs. Yes, it was. And that's why Ellis Island is still known as the Island of Tears. Is that why everyone in these pictures don't look too happy to be in America? Maybe. I think a lot of those people were just really nervous. Imagine being surrounded by all kinds of people that you don't know, speaking in all kinds of languages, and maybe you see a family that's been told they have to go back to where they came from. It would be kind of scary. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be smiling either. So, are we just going to talk about sad stuff all morning? I mean, I understand you've got to do this research for your paper, Monica, but I usually come to Mr. Jacob's garage to not be sad. I guess this morning has started on a bit of a downer, but you know, even though these people were scared, they were also excited to be in America. That's right. 
Most of them were coming from places where they weren't being treated well. And even though America wasn't perfect, it offered a new beginning where people would have a chance to live a better life. That's why Ellis Island was also called the Island of Hope. The Island of Tears and the Island of Hope. That sounds like a good title for my paper. Yeah, it does. Okay, that helps a little, but still, do you guys mind if I listen to the radio now? I need something a little happier to start my day. I think that sounds like a great idea. Looking a little thoughtful, Mr. Jacobs. Everything okay? You're not still sad about what we talked about earlier, are you? Do, do we need to listen to the radio some more? I'm fine, guys. I was thinking about our conversation earlier, but with a slight twist. A twist? What do you mean? It's the whole thing about people coming from all corners of the earth to live in America. I couldn't help but notice that it was a bit like God's family. Wait, God's family? He has brothers and sisters? And a mom and dad? And uncles and aunts? And grand? (laughs) Okay, let me explain. God has always been God and always will be the one and only true God. He isn't married, he didn't have siblings, but he does have kids. Yeah, like it says in John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. There you go. God sent his son Jesus to die for all the wrong things we have done. So when we believe this and trust in him, John 1.12 tells us that we become God's children. And that's why we call God our Father. That's right, Sam. And for thousands of years, people all over the world have been hearing about God's love and becoming part of his family. That's pretty cool. Hold on, so Jesus is God's son, and if we believe in him, we become God's kids, so does that mean? Whoa, is Jesus our brother? Actually, that is exactly right. In Mark 3.35 and Luke 8.21, Jesus tells us that whoever hears God's commands and follows them, they are his siblings and mother. Really? Jesus said that? He did. Now, obviously, we know that Mary was his real mom. But the point he was making is in God's family, it's not about where you're from or who you related to that makes you a child of God. Like you said before, Sam, God loved the whole world, not just people in Israel or in America or whatever. If you are a human, you are welcome. Huh, what's the matter, Sam? Oh, I was just thinking, Peter. When we're talking about people coming from all over the world to live in America, we didn't really mention this much, but not all of them were welcomed here. What do you mean? They got in, didn't they? Sure, Monica, but that doesn't mean that they got along. And I think there's a little bit of that same kind of thing in the church. Sadly, it's true. The church is full of all kinds of different people who worship in different ways, have different backgrounds, and even speak different languages. And though this variety means that the church can reach all kinds of people, too often we instead let these differences separate us and stop us from working together. Okay, that made sense, I think, but you don't happen to have a drama script about this, do you, Mr. Jacobs? Mm, I probably have something about it. Let me go check. And we'll listen to the radio. And now, from the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the delightful drama, The Substitute Zookeeper, an adapted biblical illustration about the church. Once upon a time, in the fair city of Tinkerton, there was a zookeeper. Actually, she's out of town. The title of the drama explains it all. Oh, right, of course. 
And so, she had a substitute fill in for her. Hi, I'm Lewis, and they hired me to take care of all the animals while the regular keeper is away. Gotta say, I'm pretty excited this being my first day and everything. Lewis got ready for the day by putting all sorts of food on the cart. Fish for the seals, steak for the tigers, hay for the rhinos. He then made his way to the monkey house and started dropping off their fruit. Thanks for the meal. You're new around here, aren't you? You could say that. I'm learning a lot. That's great. Speaking of learning, we're curious. What are the other stuff on that cart? It's food for the other animals in the zoo. Interesting. I feel bad for them. They have to eat all that stuff, but they could be eating real food. This thought had never occurred to the zookeeper. The monkeys did indeed seem happy eating their freshly served fruit, and it would be easier to prepare meals if everyone in the zoo ate the same thing. So, the next day, he put a load of fruit in the cart and went throughout the zoo, serving it to all the animals. Some of them were very excited to have something new and sweet, but when he got to the crocodile's pool, they looked at him rather coldly. Excuse me? Yes, ma'am? What is this stuff? It's your breakfast. The best fruit in the county. I am not eating that. But it's really good, see? Mmm, bananas. Even if I wanted to eat bananas, which I do not, how am I, a crocodile, supposed to peel one? Have you seen my fingers? You have claws. You could slice them open. <sighs> Look, if you're giving everyone the same thing, why don't you give them something a little more savory? I'm thinking a nice, big, juicy steak. The zookeeper thought about the crocodile's words, and the next day, he brought everyone big chunks of steak. Mmm. Much better. But again, though some animals were happy for a little variety, others, especially the cows, were horrified. Uncle Harvey! <sighs> this went on for some time. He tried giving everyone fish one day, hay the next, peanuts, insects, pollen, twigs and roots, but nothing seemed to make everyone happy. Some of the animals even got sick and had to be taken to the vet's office. The zoo director heard of this and had a talk with our zookeeper. I've been hearing concerning things about my zoo and the animals therein, and I've been told that you are the one that's causing these issues. What's going on? I don't know. I just wanted to give everyone something that they would like. The monkeys seemed to like fruit so much that I thought everyone would. Then I tried... I'm well aware of what you've been doing, and I appreciate your desire to make all the animals happy. But the fact is that not all animals need the same thing. Some need meat, some need plants, and some need very specific diets to stay healthy. All right, sorry, I was just trying to help. I know. And you know what? The elephants told us that though the steak wasn't their favorite, the fresh fruit was a great treat. We might add that to their menu from time to time. Good work. And from that time on, the zookeeper made sure that the foods that he was serving his friends were right for them. There sure is a big variety, but that just makes working at the zoo that much more exciting. The moral is that God's family, the church, is made up of all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of needs. Sometimes we can think that because we are Christians, we should all like the same things and have everything in common. But that's just not how a family works. 
Just like any family, we are all different, and that is a very good thing. Are you done looking at these papers, Monica? Yeah, thanks, Mr. Jacobs. It's really cool seeing how the stuff I'm writing about for school is something that really happened. It is fun seeing actual pieces of history, isn't it? Hey, Pete, could you hand me that picture? Pete? Huh? Sorry, I was thinking. Yeah, it looked like it. Here, Monica. Thanks, Sam. So, what's on your mind, Peter? I was just thinking about what we've been talking about today. How everyone's different and how that's a good thing. I'm uh, sensing you don't understand that completely. Not really. I mean, doesn't being different make it harder to work together? I thought the Bible says that God wants us all to get along. How is being different helping that? Good question. And I think we need to be able to tell a difference between unity and uniformity. Uni what? Uniformity. It means being the same. A lot of the time, uniformity means that it's easier to get along. But it also means that if something is not the same, it can't be part of the group. When it comes to God's family, he wants everyone to be able to join, like it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. So uniformity isn't how he tells us to live. Okay, so what's the other word you said? Unity. This word means that we all work together, helping each other to make sure something important happens. It's like our bodies. Each of us is made up of millions of different parts, all working together to help us grow, learn, and live healthy lives. That's the example God uses in 1 Corinthians 12. In this chapter, God makes it very clear. Just because we aren't exactly like everyone else, it doesn't mean that we don't belong to the family. I thought I had read that somewhere. Yeah, I think that chapter also says that if someone isn't the same as the rest of us, that doesn't mean we don't need them. So, just like a regular family. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you're all part of the family with me, but I need to go finish this paper. Thanks for the talk. It was fun. Anytime. Well, if she's leaving, I guess I will too. Maybe I can see if Everett wants to hang out or something. I've got to head out too. Want me to hit the radio on the way out, Lionel? That would be great. Thanks, Sam.